are listening to Rumination Law and Gospel on this Tuesday, June the 20th in the year of our Lord, 2023. And the hymn we're going to be taking a look at right now is Lord of our salvation, God of our salvation. Lord of our life, God of our salvation. Here it is. is the hymn, Lord of our life and God of our salvation. This hymn prays to God in the midst of strife and threats from Satan and the world. Its author, Philip Pusey, died in 1855, but he was inspired by a hymn by Matthias Apelles, who died in 1648 and reflected the turmoil of the Thirty Years' War. Now, these roots were firmly planted in the Reformation tradition of Catholic courts of Emperor Ferdinand II and Ferdinand III. These emperors were determined to eradicate the Lutheran confession of the faith but their counter-reforming policies did produce a period of death, disease, and destruction in many parts of the Holy Roman Empire. So this hymn is used for proper seven in the three-year series, which, of course, what we're going to be dealing with right now. And so I want to ask Pastor Mark Smith, this is not a hymn, Pastor Smith, 
that I'm not uh, that aware of. What about you? Oh, I'm very much aware of it. I've used it a lot. I think it's a, I think it's a very timely hymn today when you've got uh, organizations like the, the uh, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence uh, mocking Christ, mocking the cross, mocking Christianity, and, and uh, specifically Roman Catholicism. And uh, no, I think it's a, I think it's a great hymn. I, I I love it. I've used it a lot in the past. I I tend to use it when uh, the church is facing opposition like that. Well, we're certainly facing a lot of opposition today in the world, with people living in unrepentant sin in many areas, making up their own rules and commands, like Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden listening to Satan rather than to God. And so that led to much destruction during the 30 years war. Uh, you weren't alive during that time, were you? No. No, no. but we hear no. a lot about it. Through, and as we, as we go over these hymns and we study their authors uh, and, the, and the, the situations in which they wrote, the 30 years war loomed very large for many of them. Exactly. And it was plainly uh, uh, an attempt on the part of the Roman Catholic Church to eradicate Lutheranism. And by God's grace, it was not eradicated. And in fact, it actually grew. So, Lord of our life, if you would be so kind as to begin with the first stanza. Okay. Lord of our life and God of our salvation. Star of our night and hope of every nation, hear and receive your church's supplication, Lord God Almighty. Now, once more, we have a metaphor. Metaphors are really important in the Bible. And this one is star of our night. Now, what is that referring to? Well, I take it to be referring to Christ. Uh, particularly, I think of uh, you know the star that hovered over Bethlehem and his uh, and his manger. I think of that, and and he's the he's the sun of righteousness arising with healing in its wings. Yes, well said. And we give him our hearing. And we ask him to hear the church's supplication. Now, a lot of children may not understand what that word means. What does that word refer to, supplication? I would just say prayer, the prayers of the church. Yes. And notice how we describe the star of the night with the last phrase, Lord God Almighty. Right. Now, that's important because we just took a look at the Athanasian Creed for Trinity. And the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty, and the Holy Spirit is almighty. And therefore, those three main areas of the Trinity, creation, redemption, and sanctification, all come about because God is almighty. Yes. Now, I, I had a class with Richard Klan once, 
And he H. Richard Clan. Yes. Oh, boy, was he good. <laughs> yes. Even though even though he was he was kind of tough. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for some reason I got on his good side. And, you were lucky. <laughs> um, and I was very fortunate. But we talked about Lord God Almighty. And how did he describe from the writings of Luther particularly what Almighty meant? All powerful. I, 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 I'm not sure if I know what you're referring to, Tom, uh, in Luther's writings, but uh, I would say all-powerful. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. And yet, you know, we talked. you touched on the creed, the Athanasian creed. Uh, you've got God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit, and yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. Right. Well, Richard Klein had this kind of technique. He'd ask a question. And then students would spend 20 minutes trying to answer it, and it was never correct. And then he finally came up with the answer that seemed so obvious that we wonder how we missed it. He took the word almighty, and what two words were used to put that word together? All and mighty. Which meant what? Mighty over all. Well, close. No. All the might. Oh, all the all the power, all the power really in the universe and more is concentrated in our Almighty God. That, that's correct. Almighty means that He's all powerful and He does everything. Right. So when we ask the question. Are we saved by our works or by the works of Jesus Christ? What is the answer? By the works of Jesus Christ. Not by what we've done, but by what God has done. Yes. And there is no power outside of God. Even the devil has no power. How, how do we learn that when he tries to tempt Job? When he tries to tempt Job, oh, because uh, because uh, remember Satan uh, wanted to try, wanted to test Job and 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 see just how unfaithful he could be. And uh, God had all the power. He says he permitted him to test him in in certain ways, but he could not go one. Satan could not go one inch further than what God permitted him. Excellent. That's why God is Almighty. Satan even has to have permission to tempt us. And therefore well, it's like, what? It's like when it's like when uh when Jesus was out uh doing his ministry and he ran into these uh these demons, these evil spirits, they were scared to death of him. Yes. And they begged him, they begged him, remember how they begged him to cast them out into the herd of swine, the herd of pigs. And he yes. was at their they were at their, his mercy. And they thought, well, we'll be safe in the swine. What did God have the swine do? Yeah, the swine uh, raced down the slope or the cliff, 
into the uh, into the water and drowned. Yes. You know how hard it is for a pig to drown. Right. It just keeps popping up to the surface. And so God did fine. That the people did not like Jesus at all and did not want to follow him. So it's very important to understand that until the Holy Spirit creates faith in a person, even the miracles of Jesus didn't do anything. He fed 5,000 people, and they raced after him, trying to make him a bread king. Right. They fed the 5,000. In fact, that just talked. That just counts the men. They just counted the men in those days. 5,000 men. Who knows how many more women and children he fed. And then uh, there was also an instance where he fed the 4,000. Yes, the 5,000 were the Jewish folks, and the 4,000 were the Gentiles. Right. That was in a different area. And it showed that Jesus is the bread of life for everyone. To the hungry billows curling, see how your foes, their banners are unfurling. And with great spite, their fiery darts are hurling. O oh Lord, serve us. Now, yeah, I Tom, find that first you're break, part you're really breaking up interesting. A little bit. See round your ark, the hungry billows curling. Yes. Well, what does that mean? Well, that's, uh, I think that's uh, the picture of the, the ark. Uh, you know, it refers us back to the Noah's ark uh, that was surrounded by water, and yet you were safe within that ark. And the the ark is a, a picture also of the church, and so you have this picture of these hungry billows, uh, the the waves curling over the edge of the yes. ark, and and yet you're safe. You are safe within his church. You know, uh, we're told that the, the very gates of hell will never prevail against Christ's church. In fact, how are a lot of churches built? Well. Uh, in fact, the church that I retired from just a couple years ago, Prince of Peace in Crestwood, it's very much uh, after that, that design of the ark. If you look inside it, you look inside the—in fact, the main worship area is called the nave, which is where we get words like navy. And uh, uh, the main area looks—if you look up at the ceiling, it looks like the inside of a boat. Exactly. Is like Noah's Ark. You're breaking up a little, Tom. Pardon? You're breaking up. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if if everybody's hearing what you say. You might want to say it again. Yes, billows curling, and being in the ark, we are protected from that. See how their banners are unfurling. With great spite, their fiery darts are hurling. What are the fiery darts of our day? Well, that's a good question. The fiery darts of our day would be uh, accusations, uh, anything of uh, false teaching, 
um, yeah. or just a, a bold, outright attacks on the church. Um, they can take m- many forms. From the Beatitudes, what does Jesus say? Blessed are those. Blessed are those. Well, I think of the, the poor in spirit. Uh, which beatitude who in particular? Are persecuted. Who are persecuted? Yes, exactly. And that's what in the church. You know, there's a lot of people don't like hearing the law because it's accusing them of sin. And, and particularly if they have children, children, young people seem to be leaving the church over the morality of the church. And that makes some people angry. You still uh, you're breaking up, Tom. Okay, read stanza three. Lord, be our light when worldly darkness veils us. Lord, be our shield when earthly armor fails us. And in the day when hell itself assails us, grant us your peace, Lord. Yes. Grant us your peace. Okay. Okay, we are having trouble with uh, KFUO again, so. We're on the phone. We're on the phone. So, would so you repeat would you re- the three, Mark? Read stanza three again. Here we go. Lord, be our light when worldly darkness fails us. Lord, be our shield when earthly armor fails us. And in the day when hell itself assails us, grant us your peace, Lord. So what does it mean uh, in the day when... It says, be our shield when earthly armor fails us. What would the earthly armor be? Earthly armor. Let's see. Well, uh, yeah, I, I would guess the physical, physical protection, physical might, physical protection, uh, even the protection of the government uh, when that but, fails us. When when what we think I think of the that great old Reformation hymn. Uh, oh, we talk. God is our God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Yes, earthly armor I look at as using the things of the earth, the temporal realm, to conquer our enemies, rather than the spiritual realm. That's how I would understand that. Would you say that again, Tom, please, one more time? Yes, that the earthly armor, which will always fail us, is using the things of the earth, the temporal realm, 
Yes. Like we might have arguments with an unbeliever trying to convince them that the Bible is true, when in reality, our task isn't to convince them the Bible is true, but it is simply to express the gospel and let the Holy Spirit impress upon them the truth of those words. Yes, yes, I understand what you're saying. And uh, a lot of times we think we think we can uh, win people over by convincing them, by yes. arguing, and that's we, we let the Holy Spirit do its work. We we share the the law and the gospel. We sow the seed of his of his word, and we let God, uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, do the rest. He that's where the power is. Can you think of an example when Jesus? was tempted by a disciple with hell itself. Oh yes, yeah, in the in the garden of Gethsemane, the night he was betrayed, he said uh let's see, what did he say to Judas? He said, well first he said, friend, he appealed to him, friend, what have you come to do? Wherefore art thou come? And then he said, uh and then he said, uh, I think he may have even said to his other disciples, but now is now it's Satan's hour, the power of darkness. He knew that this was the time that he was to, to be handed over uh, to, his, uh, to his adversaries and, and, be, and be headed toward the cross. The other occasion I remember is when Peter said he would be defended in Jerusalem. How yes. did Jesus respond to that? Get thee behind me, Satan. See, that was hell itself assailing Jesus, tempting Jesus. He was tempted more than three times in the wilderness, but throughout his ministry, those temptations were there, coming from the disciples, uh, coming from his enemies, coming from his own family. But in reality... They were all coming from Satan, right. because they did not believe who he was. Yeah, Satan was using even his own close disciples, like Peter, as his mouthpiece. Yeah. So, be our light when worldly darkness veils us. What does that remind you of? Be our light when worldly darkness fails us. I'm thinking of Psalm 23. Oh, yes. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, yeah, well, even though we, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we right. fear no evil, for, for he is with us. Excellent, excellent. So throughout the Bible, we have God's consolation and promises to take care of us. All right, stanza four, please. Yeah, I think of another darkness, Tom, and that's the darkness... That over that veiled the, the cross when he was suffering for the sake. You know, we call it Good Friday, even though it was a, a dark day uh, from the world's point of view. It was the it was the uh, the greatest day for us because it's the day that all of our sins, the sins of the whole world, were atoned by Jesus. It is finished. Okay, you want to go to the fourth fourth verse? Go, go ahead. Peace in our hearts where sinful thoughts are raging. Peace in your church, our troubled souls assaging. Peace when the world 
its endless war is waging peace in your heaven. Now, peace in our hearts where sinful thoughts are raging. Isn't that something we confess every Sunday that we sin by thought, word, and deed? And that is where we remove the peace from our hearts and have sinful thoughts instead. Right. But God comes to us. What does it mean he gives us peace? He gives us the that peace, peace that the world he gives us the peace that the world cannot give. He 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 uh he puts us at ease uh, spiritually. He gives us the uh uh the comfort that overshadows all trouble. Yes. For example, if we have a problem with a person, we might not be reconciled to them. And so then we have to do all kinds of things to be reconciled. But in Christianity, God does the reconciliation. And so even when we have sinful thoughts or troubled souls, he brings us that reconciliation mentioned in Corinthians, which means he forgives us our sins and provides us with consolation and comfort, even if we are in a situation where we're being tempted by Satan. Yeah, Tom, I think of that, I think of that most comforting passage where it says, even if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart and, uh, and, and knows all. Yes, yes. So what does it mean your heart condemns you? Well, those are those, uh, uh, I would say, you know what that is? That's the devil uh, whispering in our ear things like, you're no, you're no Christian. You call yourself a Christian? Look at all your past sins. That's the devil. Das ist der Teufel, as the old Germans would say. That's the devil. Yes. And therefore, the heart that causes us to be worried, troubled, right. is our sinful heart, in contrast to the new heart that David prayed for. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Well, thanks so very much for helping us with this Lord of our life. Um, I'm going to be using it this Sunday. I am not that familiar with it. But I know you have been marked. So thanks so very much. And on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we'll be taking a look again at Proverbs. morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. Or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.
If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.